Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Blue Jay fans. John Bishop here with you for our first ever episode of the 1620 The Jays podcast. Along with Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, we are going to bring you the gamut of Creighton Athletics for the next several months. And it's not just going to be about basketball. Yeah, basketball is important, and that's where a lot of Jays fans hang their hats. But so many great stories to tell with volleyball, men's and women's soccer. You've got golf and tennis. You have, of course, baseball and softball, rowing, and a lot more. So sit back and relax, and I think we've got a really good first show for you here this week. I'm going to sit down with Nora Sis, the reigning Big East Freshman of the Year. It was an adventurous week, to say the least, for Creighton Volleyball this week. We'll get the reaction from Nora and also dig a little bit deeper into her background. Also, Creighton has hired a brand new golf coach, Wes Burnt is the new men's golf coach. Connor Happer is going to sit down with him. And we're also going to play you back some highlights of our conversation on 1620 The Zone's Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Marcus Blossom, who later this month is going to be wrapping up his first full year as athletic director at Creighton University. But to lead things off, men's soccer has gotten off to a really good start They scored six goals in each of their first two matches this year. And while they did lose a heartbreaker a couple of weeks ago against St. Louis and then ended up in a tie with San Diego State, still Johnny Torres has the Blue Jays rebounding quite nicely in men's soccer. And for that, we turn you over to the voice of men's soccer on Flow Sports and on our radio stations, 1180 The Zone and News Talk 1290. Here's Josh Peterson. All right, thank you, John. We welcome on the first ever guest on 1620 The Jays podcast. It is the head coach of the men's soccer team for Creighton, Johnny Torres. Coach, thanks for joining us on the first ever edition of 1620 The Jays podcast. Well, I feel really special to know that this is the first edition and I'm I'm the first guest, so thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, a lot of people uh, are going to have some big shoes to uh, to live up to as we uh, as we get this thing going. Let, let's let's start big picture with you, Coach. Uh, young season so far, just a couple of weeks in. W- what have you seen from your team at the start of the 2022 campaign? Yeah, you know it's a good group, uh, pretty close knit group, and uh, they play some exciting soccer. So I really hope that uh, everybody in the community has an opportunity to come out and watch us play because it's uh, it's an exciting group. Absolutely. The atmosphere tonight at Oktoberfest uh, for the matchup with Stanford should be a whole lot of fun. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You've had, Coach, such a strong start to all of your matches so far this year. The last two, though, a bit harder, of course, to hold on to the lead. You, you drop your first match. You also have a draw in the most recent one. What do you attribute the, 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 maybe the, the, the slowness of maybe what happened after that, and, and how do you improve in, in the, the match versus Stanford and beyond? 
you know, obviously in the first week, uh, we were we were electrifying. Um, we we had a nose for goal and, and and we had shots and opportunities galore. And I think the score of those first two games showed that, and that we were able to capitalize um, on twenty opportunity. I'm sorry, twelve goals in, in two matches. Um, but given the nature of of our sport, you know, obviously uh, when you go into week two, uh, now teams have the chance to prepare and scout. Um, and so, like you said, we dropped our first one against St. Louis in a match where I thought we were the dominant side, but unfortunately for us, weren't able to capitalize on some opportunities and ended up losing that game three to two. Um, and then fast forward to San Diego State, um, where we 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 forfeited a two zero lead and allowed them to creep back into the game and 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 ended up tying that game. And so. We have to do a better job now that we have been scouted, now that people know what to expect from us, uh, to, to be able to play against the scout and, and, and find ways to, to turn these results into wins. And, um, again, uh, the good thing is is that in all four matches, I feel we were the better side. We were the dominant side. Uh, we just got to find a way to capitalize on our opportunities and, and end up with the three points at the end of the whistle. Coach, I, I always love the fire that Paul Cruz shows in goal. W- what's the conversation like with him? I, I can't imagine that he is happy with his own play. What, what's that like after after a tough loss and after a tough draw with him? Yeah, you know, obviously he's a very experienced goalkeeper. Uh, I think he also understands that um, at the end of the day, he is the last line of defense. But ultimately, uh, when things don't go our way, it's 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 on all of us, right? It's not just on him. I know individually he has very high standards for himself as we do for him. Uh, so you know, there was a couple of plays where he's probably not the happiest about in regards to how they resulted. But, um, you know, I understand and he understands that he's got a wealth of experience and talent. And uh, we, we continue to, to keep him between the posts for, for tonight and uh, expecting great things from him. Coach, you've been around. You've been around the sport for so long. I wonder, you know, going into a season, I have to imagine you have preconceived notions about players and maybe how certain guys are going to work together. Whether it's based on the previous season, obviously the off season and in training camp, are you often surprised at all when a season begins and either a player plays maybe above or below the expectations, or or does that not happen as much? Just given the amount of time that you spend around these players in the off season and in previous seasons as well. No, absolutely. You know, part of our part of our challenge as coaches is to be able to project. Um, and I can tell you on a personal note that sometimes I've projected correctly, and sometimes I've underprojected. And so, uh, when you underproject, it's actually a, a nice surprise to see somebody come out and outdo what you had projected they would do. Um, obviously, the other side of that is when you overproject. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, and my wife does a great job at reminding me about this. Um, you know, they, they are kids, uh, whether 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 we like it or not. Um, I know we hold them up to very high standards, but um, you just never know what, what they're going to look like when you come back. And fortunately for us this season, I think the guys came back in a great mental space, um, and they've come together pretty tightly, um, and I think uh, our play show that. All right, Coach, before I let you go, uh, depending on when, when uh, the, the folks are listening to this, you know, the, maybe the match has already passed, but Oktoberfest is coming up tonight at Morrison. You guys versus Stanford, 7.30 is when this match will begin. Of course, the women will play before that as well. What, what are you hoping to see from the uh, supporters tonight at Morrison? Well, I've always said this. You know, we have one of the best 
stadiums in Division One soccer uh, with Morrison Stadium. Uh, we have some of the best fans in the country. We have great support. Uh, but I want the fans to come out and understand it's a celebration. It shouldn't be quiet. Everybody <laughs> should be everybody should be getting loud, not just the people in the beer tent uh, that, that are coming to enjoy this Oktoberfest, but our fans need to get on their feet and, and, and let these boys know that they're behind them. Should be a whole lot of fun. Johnny Torres joining us here on the first edition of 1620 The Jays Podcast, the first ever interview. Coach, we really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. All right, man. Thank you for having me, Josh. Soctoberfest will continue the Blue Jays' schedule Friday night at 7.30 at Morrison Stadium, and then they take on their in-city rival, Omaha, on Wednesday, September the 14th, before the first Big East match of the year against UConn Saturday, September the 17th at Morrison Stadium. That game will be available on Flow Sports. Well, coming up this weekend for the women's volleyball team, rated top 20 in the country, it's another two matches in Omaha, though this time over at Baxter Arena as Omaha is hosting a tournament this weekend. Jays will take on Florida State on Friday and Omaha on Saturday at 3 o'clock before they head to Houston, Texas for the Rice Adidas Invitational where they will meet Kansas State and Rice. And it's great to be joined by last year's Freshman of the Year, National Freshman of the Year, according to VolleyballMag.com, and the Big East Freshman of the Year, also preseason Big East Player of the Year, outside hitter, sophomore Nora Sis. Nora, thanks for coming on the 1620 The Jays podcast. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> I uh, This week was uh, it was an interesting one, uh, and going back to last Friday, you play a ranked team in, in USC, look really good, defeat them, come out guns a-blazing against um, Kentucky, both teams hitting the ball really well, you win the first set, and then they kind of roll the rest of the way. You bounce back on Saturday against uh, Saturday night against Northern Iowa. And then, of course, the Nebraska match on Wednesday. So all in all, two and two for the week. That's how I describe the week. How did it look from your vantage point? Oh, my gosh, it was a crazy week. Um, I mean, Coach Booth obviously sets us up with a really, really tough um, non-conference schedule, which is really exciting. Um, we look forward to it every year and obviously we know that it's going to be a good competition and we know that it's going to be a crazy schedule, um, but we love it. Um, I think this weekend, obviously we had three really, really good matches, but we kind of took it one game at a time. Um, every game before uh, we started, Coach Booth said that this is the most important match of the year. And that was kind of our mindset. We didn't look forward to the next game or the Nebraska game or anything. We played it one game at a time because every game was really important. Um, but yeah, we had a pretty good weekend, um, a little up and down, but we learned a lot, definitely. And then, yeah, yesterday against Nebraska, that was a really, really fun match. Um, we really thought that we had them. Um, it was definitely super competitive. I thought we played really awesome, um, super cool environment. But yeah, hearing, really yeah, hearing you after, you know, the, the match against Nebraska, you mentioned that there was kind of this mindset of, hey, everyone grab a snack because we're coming back for set three and we're going five. What was it that made you feel, made the group feel that way? I don't know. I think, like, I never feel, people always ask me if there's, like, pressure to beat them because we've never beaten them before. I never feel pressure. I think it motivates me knowing that we're the underdogs because I think that there's a lot of fun in that and that knowing that we can just go out swinging, there's no pressure on us. Um, but I think this year especially – we kind of 
like I think years in the past, everyone's like, all right, like our goal is to beat them, obviously. But this year, Coach Booth said it was the expectation to beat them because she knows that we're a really good team and we can beat them. Um, but yeah, right after set two, we all went in the locker room, had like our meeting, whatever. And Jayla came in and she was like, everyone grab a snack because we're going five. Like, buckle in. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, we were just, we wanted it so badly. We weren't just going to roll over and let them have it. We were going to fight. And I think that's exactly what we did. It just didn't end up going our way. How, how much was it important to hear those words from Jayla? Really important. Um, she's a huge, huge leader on our team always has been. Um, and I think even now, especially that she's not playing, she's still on the bench. She's giving me shots. She's giving everyone else shots. She's rallying the team together. She's doing just as much as she ever did um, to be a leader, even though she's not on the court. What can you take away from a match against a team of Nebraska's caliber in coming back from 02 that maybe you couldn't take away if it had ended 03? Yeah, um, I think either way, we played a really good game. The first set wasn't that great, but um, I think knowing that we can compete with them means we can compete with the best teams in the country because they are one of the best teams in the country. Um, I think it gives us a lot of confidence moving forward and a lot of just like excitement, knowing that we can reach our goals because we have really big goals for our team. Um, but yeah, they're a super, super incredibly talented team. Um, so it's really fun to compete with them. Nora, you have a special friend on the other side of the net. Uh, you and Lindsey Krause of Nebraska have been good friends for a very long time. Uh, instead of throwing your ball into the stands, you decided to do something else. What was it? Well, I wrote on the ball. I wrote her a little message and part of it, I said, please don't block me because um, I knew we were going to be matched up against each other. Um, but yeah, we were talking about it before the game and I was like, I told her that I was going to throw her my ball. And she was like, honestly, with your aim, I think you should probably just roll it. Wow. <laughs> like we're, we, we joke around a lot. It's super fun. Um, but that was part of it. I mean, we're super duper competitive with each other. So playing against each other and especially in an environment like that was really, really, really fun. We had a lot of, um, like our families talked after we had a lot of premier family there. Um, it was just really cool. Really you, you, uh, you and you and Lindsay, I mean, I, I see this too. And granted, I'm not competing on the same level as, as you are, but you know, you, you seem to compete with your friends harder than maybe the folks you just don't know. Do you find that to be true? Yeah. I always thought that um, in like, we played club together in club practices. We would always, always be competing harder with each other than anyone else. Uh, we give each other a lot of crap, but it's because we love each other. We know that um, one another is really talented. Um, we definitely push each other, but yeah, I, like I don't want to be blocked by her. That would be the worst feeling ever. <laughs> I just wanted to go up and compete against her. And yeah, we're very competitive, but it's all, it's all fun. We're talking with Nora Sis, sophomore outside hitter uh, from Papillion here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. You were a member of the uh, USA Volleyball Under-21 national team. What did that do for your development as a player? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I learned a lot about myself as a player and a person through that experience. I've never participated in anything USA before. Um, and honestly, it took a lot. Like, I thought about it a lot to decide to go over and play there. Um, <clears throat> but it was an incredible experience. There's so, so many talented girls there and they're also awesome. Like I 
I didn't expect to be that close with a group of girls that I only know for two weeks. Um, it was really cool. It definitely gave me a new perspective on the game. Um, we were playing for something so much bigger than ourselves, which we always are, but I don't, I don't know. It was really cool. And just to see how everybody came together in such a short amount of time and was like really cheering for one another's success and not their own because the lineups did change a lot. Like we were in and out, we were um, subbed in and out. We maybe played different positions, um, but everybody was super supportive and just honestly wanted to play for the team and not themselves. That was really awesome. And that kind of leads me to my next question, Nora, because, you know, and I've talked to with other athletes who have, you know, participated in these types of international competitions or, you know, played for a, you know, a, an all elite type team, like all USA is. And we always talk about the individual benefits and hey, oh, how I, how I got better doing this or, or how I learned maybe doing that, but the team concept, are there things it's kind of funny because it's like going to a camp, right? Where you bring back new information. Were there things that you could bring back that helped you as a teammate? Yeah, definitely. Um, I I think it was definitely a new experience for me in that, like, they were, okay, this, like, I'm really blessed to be a starter on our team. And I know that Coach Booth doesn't, like if I shank a pass, she's not going to sub me out right away. She trusts me. She trusts all the starters and she trusts everyone on the team. But like, once we have a role, we kind of stick to it unless something big needs to be changed, you know? And I think that in the USA game, it was such a short turnaround from training to playing that like, if someone like for me, example, I was struggling with hitting. So they subbed me out, which was fine. Like, obviously I trusted everyone that went in and I was super excited for them. And it gave me a whole new perspective. Like people, when people subbed in, like McKenna Wooker, for example, went in for me. Elia Rubin went in for me. They are two incredible girls. And I have never seen that much like support from people subbing in and out and like taking your position, us taking their position. It, it was just really, really cool. Everyone was, I did not expect it at all. Um, yeah, I'll because you because that. you kind of expected everyone to be like, I'm gonna show how good yeah. I am because you know this is kind of an all-star team. Right. It was a elite level. So I kind of expected everyone to be playing for themselves, honestly. Like that's just what I thought, but it was the complete opposite of that. It was super duper cool. How much of that do you think comes from the fact that you put on that uniform and it says USA? Oh, and, you, and, and you've probably watched the Olympics and things like that. And you, you, you feel the, the pride of work of participating for your country. Yeah. And it means a lot. And we were talking to, um, some of the real Olympic athletes, I don't know what you call them, the older, the older girls, <laughs> the Olympic athletes, the, the ones who Olympic are in the Olympics. Athletes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking to them and they just had, they had so much to say about that, how you're playing for the, what is it? You're playing for the name on the front, not the name on the back. Right. Um, and I just think that's a really cool way to go about it. Obviously. They, and they also talked about that. They're a team of 20, only 12 girls make the roster, but all 20 of them had something to do with the team, whether you're on the scout side or the starting side, like you're all fighting for the same thing. You all want to win and you all want to play together. Um, yeah. Besides winning, what constitutes a successful night of volleyball to you? Oh man. Um, I would say just knowing that you left it all out on the court. I think yesterday, part of why, playing Nebraska, part of why we were 
disappointed is that we know that we let up a little bit in the fifth set. Um, they went out swinging like more aggressive than they had been the whole game, I think. Um, and we kind of let up, we went back on our heels. So I, if I were to change anything, I would go back and just give it our all. Like we had nothing to lose, but I think, um, yeah, going out, knowing that you left everything on the court and having no regrets is what makes it a successful night because win or lose, you're going to learn something. Now tell me if I'm wrong, but I heard somewhere that you are compared to a character on Ted Lasso. Is that true? <laughs> yes. His name is Danny Rojas. Why is this <laughs> for those who haven't seen the show? Why, why are you compared to this character? Well, I, this would probably be a better question for someone on my team, but I think it's because <laughs> he's a character that <laughs> he has a lot of energy. I have a lot of energy. Um, and he always says in his accent, he's like, football is life. And a lot of people say that that's me because I always have a lot of energy at practice. I love playing more than anything. Um <laughs> I don't know. You should probably ask someone else. <laughs> I, I'm going to bookmark this for down the road. We'll ask others why. But I mean, <laughs> okay. it, it sounds like a very logical answer, though. I Do you have a Volleyball is Life t-shirt somewhere in your collection? I don't. That's a really good idea, though, actually. This is an NIL opportunity, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> out there. If you are listening and you uh, you would like to support uh, Nora in this effort, <laughs> Volleyball is Life, I think. Uh, and, and, and put your number uh, your number two on there, which, by the way, you have worn this same number since you were 10 years old. Is there a, is there a reason for that? Um, I don't think so. My, <laughs> I tell people, they think this is weird. I tell people my lucky number was always 22. I don't know where that came from, but it was always 22. So then I cut it in half and made it two. I don't know how true that is, but also I remember when I was, 10 and I made my the club team for the first time and they were asking us what number we wanted to be. I remember sitting on the bed with my mom and she was like, this is a really big decision. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? And she was like, she was like, well, it's your first time having a volleyball number. So I really, really thought about it. I don't know how I ended up with two, but it's stuck. <laughs> and, and now you've always, you're, you're just going to be number two forever. As long as you play. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> now, as the tradition goes, if there's a successful road trip, the team goes out for ice cream. Mm -hmm. Who who makes the choice where you go? <laughs> Not me. Um, I don't know, actually. Is it based on what's open at 930 at night actually, or whatever time you're getting? That is a really up? good point. Yeah, usually. <laughs> we usually do play until like the last time I think we went to last time we went to Freddy's because it, I'm pretty sure it was the only place open. It was like 1030 p.m. Um. But yeah, rumor has it, Jayla told me this. I don't know how true this is, that Booth is going to start doing that at home game, home tournaments, home oh, weekends. really? But I don't know if that's true. Jayla just... Mm. <laughs> All right, well, okay. So let's pretend that you get to be the sole decider. You get to choose. Where are you choosing and what are you having? Oh, my gosh. Um Ice cream is my favorite dessert and I'm not picky at all. I just like vanilla with sprinkles. Really? <laughs> yeah. Just vanilla with sprinkles. Well, sometimes I get like cookies and cream. It, but is there, do you have a, do you have a favorite place or is it, does it really matter? Not really, but in Omaha, um, cone flour is incredible. We've never been there. Another NIL opportunity, by the way, just I'm just throwing that out. There. <laughs> Our whole team loves Cone Flower. We get sponsored by them. 
you you could put it on the jersey. Well, I don't know if you can put it on the jerseys, but we can make something happen here. I mean, this is a <laughs> this is a good idea. You know, there's a core of this group yourself, uh, Sky, Kiera, Kendra. You're all so young, either first, second year ish in the program. Mm. Do you guys ever talk about not just season aspirations, but what you want to accomplish as a over a career as teammates? Not really. We kind of take it season by season, honestly, but I think that that's really cool to talk about because I, we're, I think we're just going to keep getting better. Like coach Booth, all of our coaches recruit super duper amazing athletes. And even being at camp this summer and seeing the next class, the class of 2023, the class will be here next year. Yes. Um, yes. Seeing 23. Them, <laughs> seeing them compete in the summer at camp. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be really good next year too. Like, I think that we're just going to keep getting better. I think we're going to keep on striving to go places we've never been before. And that's really exciting. All right. So what we've learned here is that, you know, vanilla with sprinkles, <laughs> um, number two really doesn't have that much significance, uh, though it was an important decision. Uh, there's at least two NIL opportunities, one for a t-shirt, Volleyball is life. The other one for cone flower. Um, oh, that and you love playing for the United States and you just love playing volleyball. So I just love playing volleyball. Hey, listen, <laughs> as well as as well as you all have played, um, I would love it, too, because and it's always easier when you're having success. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Nora continued best success. Uh, I know Biggie season is right around the corner. You've got some big matches uh, this weekend before you get to. Big East play. And of course, you guys are in defense of uh, yet another Big East championship. Thanks for joining us here on 1620 The Jays. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. A reminder that still to come, Athletic Director Marcus Blossom and highlights of our interview from Unsportsmanlike Conduct a week or so ago as Marcus is wrapping up his first year on the job as the McCormick Endowed Athletic Director at Creighton University. Also a reminder that this podcast will be dropping each and every Friday morning and you'll be able to find it right here on 1620thezone.com. We're going to be adding some other great features on 1620thezone.com in conjunction with our Creighton Athletics coverage. Also, you'll want to check out 1620thezone.com for the complete program schedule to find out where Creighton Athletic events will be taking place on all of our family of stations. We're very excited about a brand new era in Creighton coverage with extended coverage of volleyball, men's and women's soccer, women's basketball, and of course, we are still your home for Creighton basketball and baseball returns later on this sports season. And now let's turn it over to my colleague, Connor Happer. The next interview we have for you guys on the 1620 The Jays podcast is the newest coach in at Creighton University, and that would be Wes Burnt, just announced this week as the new Creighton golf coach. And they're going to start their season at the beginning of next week on Monday, so it's a quick turnaround. We recorded this interview on Wednesday, and he hadn't even met his team yet, as you'll hear here in just a couple minutes, Burnt, uh, previously at Northeast Community College in Norfolk. Uh, before that was at UNK from 2010 to 2018. That program was then eliminated due to budget cuts. So he's been in the state for a long time. Uh, he's been around the game of golf, obviously, for a long time. And he will be an asset uh, to Creighton University and, and Creighton Athletics and Creighton Golf for sure. So we'd like to introduce you. It's a new Creighton golf coach, Wes Burnt. Here he is. 
Coach, how's it going? First of all, I know it's been a, a really, really quick turnaround here, and we'll get into that piece of it in just a couple minutes, but I guess what's the what's the initial reaction here in the first sort of 24, 48 hours after after it goes public and you're the new golf coach at Creighton? Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously a lot. You know, it's going to be a lot to get used to. Um, I guess the first thing I need to do is um, I get to meet the team. I'm going to meet them tonight and then, uh, you know, kind of try to evaluate over the next couple of days. Um, I've been lucky. Coach Conroy was was able to kind of take them you know, as an interim, and they went through the qualifying process. But going to try to just kind of evaluate everybody over the next couple of days, and then, uh, you know, we head out Sunday morning. We're going to head to K-State, so just trying to get used to see what we have, I guess. Yeah, it's a, well, it's an unbelievably quick turnaround. <laughs> you go pretty much uh, right away. I, I guess – what let, let's go back in, in sort of the process of of getting this ball rolling. Um, you know, I, how, were you approached about the job, and how did that go? And 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 why d- did you have such a high interest level in Creighton? And then sort of take us through the process and how you ended up as as the guy. Well, I, I happened to know um, a handful of players on the team that I had either you know played with in summer tournaments or even recruited at my time at UNK. So that's kind of how, um, you know, I kind of found out about the job a little bit, um, you know, obviously applied. But just what really interests me in, in Creighton is, you know, first of all, there's a lot of talent on the team, but, you know, being able to draw from the Omaha population, um, I just, I think it's it's a program that could be set, in a, you know, it's in a really good position just to take off. Why was, and, and outside of the golf piece of it, in You've been in Nebraska for a long time and the state for a long time. You've seen, you know, Creighton or other programs in the state from from afar. Obviously, you get to draw from the Omaha population, like you said. But in Creighton is another. It, it's a place that has a, you know, a growing sports, you know, profile. Obviously, and, and continues to do so. What? Why is Creighton so attractive? Do you think? And what? And can it be attractive on the local level to those guys that you were talking about? Um, you know, obviously the, just the prestige of the college itself, you, you know, just being able to draw on that, I think it's going to be huge for recruiting. Um, yeah. And then basically it's one that, you know, two or three biggest programs in the state. And that's something, you know, I think I've always wanted to end up at a division one program. And I think just, you know, it was a huge opportunity for me there. You've been everywhere in the state, as I, as I mentioned, what's the, I guess, what's this, when you look at, overall the the state of golf in the state of nebraska well i guess where do you come out and how does it look and and what are some things that you want to see going forward maybe not just from the entire state but some of the things that that you like to you know include when you're teaching the game to to younger golfers um it's as far as the talent level in nebraska goes this is as good as that i've ever seen it um it's it's amazing the amount of juniors and seniors right now that could potentially play the division one level. And, um, I would like, I, I, I want to see us do a good job of keeping those guys in state. Um, you know, and, and over the past years, I think there's, there's been a lot of talent in the top end, but a lot of those guys have left. And I think, you know, coach Cornell going to Nebraska, I think he'll do a good job of doing that. And then I'm going to kind of try to take the same approach as, you know, hopefully we're attractive enough to those in-state players to, you know, keep them around. And I think, I just think that'd be good for the state in general. I think it would help grow the game and, you know, it's just something that I think we kind of need to do. 
Uh, Coach, okay, so you got the the first meet coming up at the beginning of next week on Monday. Uh, This has been a a whirlwind, I'm sure. I guess how – you know, what are those first couple of days going to be like with your team? How much time will you get with the team before uh, you guys go to go to Manhattan over the weekend? Um, not a lot. Like I said, I'll meet him tonight. Um, we're just going to go out and have a team dinner, and then you know we'll have a couple of days that I'll kind of get to just watch him. You know, throughout practice, but you know the qualifying's done. So right now, it's just you know kind of watching people hit balls and trying to maybe kind of trying to learn a little bit about the game and about the personality more. Um, but no, there there won't be a ton of time. It's, but but you, you know, golf it's it's golf. They're, you know, we're not learning a new offense, not learning new defense. You know, it's it's kind of all the same. So you know, I, it's just kind of trying to learn exactly what their what their uh, flaws are and what they're good at, and you know, trying to get some work within that parameters. Coach Westburn, the new Creighton golf coach. All right, Coach, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for taking a couple minutes with us. I know you're you're busy and, and moving things around a little bit, uh, but appreciate it, and, and welcome to Creighton. Sounds good. Thank you. Monday and Tuesday of next week, Wes not only will get a chance to meet all of his uh, new charges, but watch them compete at the Wildcat Invitational in Manhattan, Kansas. Well, to wrap things up on this inaugural edition of the 1620 The Jays podcast, Josh Peterson and I had a chance to sit down with McCormick Endowed Athletic Director Marcus Blossom, and it has been a very successful first year at Creighton with the men's basketball team making another run in the NCAA tournament. Of course, the women's basketball team making their first ever Elite Eight continued success with volleyball and, of course, now with men's soccer. And we had a chance to ask him, what does he attribute that to? You know, I think it was uh, it was built on a solid foundation. I think Bruce and his staff did a great job. And what I'm trying to do with the, with the team we have in place is to build up on that and, and take it to a level maybe we haven't been before. The... The, the the culture around the program obviously was very strong, and you inherited that. How how long for you did it did it take until it felt like this was now kind of your place? Because it's hard to replace someone who's been around as long as Rass was. How long do you think it took before you kind of felt comfortable where it's like it's starting to feel like like a place where I'm I'm the guy now. Well, it's still relatively new, and I and I I will say it'll never be my place. Uh, it's a you know it's an organization where a lot of people have their hands in it. A lot of contributors from the from Father Hendrickson to the the internal staff, uh, both in and outside of athletics. Uh, we have great coaches and, and and great student athletes. I think if we all you know pull the rope in the same direction it's everybody's place i'm just kind of the one leading the charge and and calling the shots marcus i think we probably talked about this with you a year ago but entering a, an athletic department that has had so much success but also wanting to put your own fingerprints on it i guess like how do you kind of balance how do you balance not wanting to upset the apple cart maybe in some areas but having ideas to to move things forward in others you know it, we've had a lot of success but there's a lot of room to grow uh, you know we've we've made it far um, or relatively far in, in, in some sports in the NCAA tournament or in the conference standings, but we want to be great. Uh, we want to be the best in the Big East in men's and women's basketball. We want to advance our level uh, in uh, most of our other sports and in all of our other sports, but some some have a, a better chance of advancing to the levels we're trying to go to than others. 
Um, so there's room to grow, uh, and that's the message that I communicate to the staff on a day-in and day-out basis. Uh, we're here right now, whether it's a Sweet 16-level basketball team or a, a top 16, a, a second-round volleyball team, uh, to stay status quo isn't good for anyone. So we're trying to grow and, and raise our level. And you also entered at a time where so much has been changing. And then think about, even in just the last year, how much more NIL is part of the conversation. Conference realignment is everywhere. TV contracts are exploding. I mean, even in just your one year here, how things have changed. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. When I mentioned raising our level, um, that's with the understanding that everything around us is staying the same. So with everything around us changing, what we've been doing or currently, you know, what we've been doing in the past may not even work anymore because our there's external factors that are changing. So we want to keep our, our you know, uh, eyes on, on what's going on around us, adjust uh, appropriately, and, and make sure with the changing factors that, you know, we could still uh, reach our goals. Uh, and that's the challenge. Marcus, along those lines, I'm curious as to what it what it's like to be in college athletics at, at this exact moment. Like it feels like we're in this in between period where we know that there will be more changes. We know that eventually it seems like there will be some maybe guardrails in certain aspects and uh, expansion of tournament sizes, playoff sizes, uh, conference realignment. Like th- there's an end game. Maybe there is an end game coming, but right <laughs> now we're still we're still in the midst of the storm. What what is it like to be inside of college athletics right now? You know, for me, it's fun. It's uh, it's exciting. It keeps you on your toes. Um, you know, I think most of us knew this was coming uh, over the last few years. There's been talk about NIL um, for years now. Um, there's been talk about conference realignment, an additional round of conference realignment for years now. So, you know, if, if you've prepared the right way, um, and, and we still have some preparation to do on our, on our end. You're not, you shouldn't be surprised by this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the challenge is, is evolving and, and again, making sure throughout all of these changes, Creighton is set up for not just the level of success we've had, Creighton is set up for even greater success. So um, that's what makes it exciting for me. A lot of folks wondering, we're talking with Marcus Blossom, Creighton Athletic Director, you know, how NIL works at a school such as yours, a smaller Division One school that doesn't have football. Obviously, men's basketball has had some success in that. But how would you categorize where Creighton is currently with NIL across the entire athletic department and all of its sports? You know, I think it's, um, I think it's evolving. Uh, we're probably set up uh, better as you mentioned, with our men's basketball program. I think our other sports, it's, it's, it's relatively new. Um, and that's simply because, uh, you know, the, the, the landscape in those sports nationally, it's not as pressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably pressing in baseball and the SEC and maybe some of our other sports that uh, compete nationally in other conferences. Um, but quite frankly, I think name, image, and likeness, I think it's a good thing. For, for student athletes, uh, the general student has the general student, meaning non-student athlete, has always had the ability to profit off their name, image, and likeness. So I think um, it's a good thing. I do understand why it was held up for so long because of some of the things that you see going on now. Um, but if it's done right, uh, I think it's 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 a it's a it's so great for student athletes to be able to 
to generate some some profit for themselves. What surprised you most uh, when you're on the job, like inside of, of Creighton Athletics, not so much some of these external things like name, image, likeness? What surprised you most internally? You know, I knew they had or, or we had a lot of support um, mm-hmm. from fans and, and, and donors and supporters. I think the surprising part was it, it was at a greater level than I thought it was, mm-hmm. and the passion and the excitement and the, uh, the love for Creighton uh, in the city of Omaha is tremendous. Um, another surprising piece of that is a, a lot of the people that I've come in contact to that are Creighton supporters, um, a lot of them aren't necessarily Creighton graduates. Mm-hmm. So they have an affinity for Creighton um, because of um, what we mean to the city of Omaha. A lot of them are Omaha residents. Um, a lot has to do with the the stewardship and the, the cultivation and the relationship building um, that our staff has, has done over, over the last few years as well. Marcus Blossom joining us, Creighton Athletic Director. With that, you know, sometimes when, when, when a new administration comes in, there are differences in how you want to do things, whether it's organizing your staff or even, you know, things that affect the fans, more like changes at basketball games or changes in presentation and things like that. Has, has change been hard for some people to grasp, to understand, or how how would you how would you categorize that? I mean, in terms of of, of you know getting people to accept maybe a new way of doing things. Yes, it has been hard for some, um, and and you know that's understandable. We've had um, you know fans and supporters that have been coming to our games for twenty plus years. Yeah. We've had staff um, on board for twenty plus years. What I've tried to to communicate is um, why why certain things are are are, are changing, uh, what my my vision and my end goal is, and as I mentioned before, with the changing landscape of college athletics, it may have been working in the past, but we have to evolve with how the world mm-hmm. around us is evolving. So sure. change um, isn't just something that is. Is, is something that someone like me wants to do, I think uh, in this environment, change may be necessary. Marcus, I want to go back to the end of March, um, because I remember before the contract extension with Greg McDermott was announced, like there was just some you know columns and, and articles that had come out, and I remember some Creighton fans that listened to the show kind of reaching out and saying, should, should I be worried about the end of the Greg McDermott era coming? And, and sure enough, the contract extension was announced towards the end of that month, and, and here we are Today, how important was it to you, given first year on the job, and I guess maybe some of that conversation circling around to make sure you locked him up? Well, it was very important. It was it was something that I started to work on with with Greg. Uh, I think the first week I I got here. Um, now, all of that wasn't public, so everyone didn't sure. know that mm-hmm. things are in the works. Um, so Greg has has done a phenomenal job with with our basketball program, and and we and we want that to continue as long as possible. So it was my number one priority coming in, and I was never worried that that was um, that was going to end anytime soon. But uh, you have to work as diligently as possible, as if that could be a possibility, mm. and do whatever you can to to make sure it isn't uh, in the time frame that um, that would be detrimental to to our athletic department. On the subject of basketball, um, obviously a lot of the things that are happening in terms of 
conference realignment, television contracts, 95% of it seems to be dealing with college football. Mm -hmm. But as we know, men's basketball is a money sport, too, and it is Creighton's most important sport in terms of revenue generation. We hear from other folks in some of the bigger leagues that, you know, maybe we need to change the tournament. We need to change access to the tournament. The Big East is a unique conference in that it is a major conference, but it doesn't have the football component. Is there a concern on your part that the Big East's voice is loud enough when these conversations are happening from a basketball standpoint, knowing that it may be coming with a a football mindset behind it, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. It's right now, and it's probably always always been this way. in the last, what, 15 years or so, football, at least the last 15 years, but probably longer than that, football's ruling college athletics right now. We understand that. Um, So uh, do I think our voice in the Big East is loud enough? Uh, No. (laughs) I wish it was louder uh, because I'm I'm concerned about our, not just our our basketball student athletes, but the the ability for all of our student athletes to to have a, a great experience and to be successful. Um, but I'm confident in our league. Uh, we have a great league. We have a great product. Um, will we do some things differently to, to make sure we're headed to curve and to make sure our um, the partners that we are associated with, whether it's television partners or, or, or what have you, or sponsors, value the product uh, at the level we think they should? So um, am I concerned? No, but we're not necessarily uh, sleeping uh, <laughs> extremely peacefully every night. On that subject, you mentioned television, and you have a great partner mm-hmm. with Fox who has been there now for a decade. Um, but recently, with ESPN being dropped by the Big Ten Conference, they're going to have potentially some inventory in a couple of years. They used to be the home of the Big East. Not saying necessarily replace Fox, but do you think that's a potential benefit to the Big East if ESPN says, hey, we still need product in wintertime and the Big East is out there, would you welcome a conversation with ESPN in terms of the overall negotiation of raising the element and making sure that that Big East basketball product is valued at a level you think it should be at? First off, Fox has been a great partner uh, for the Big East, and, and we've, at the conference level, have valued our relationship with Fox. So we really haven't thought about moving on from from Fox um, just yet. We have three years left on our Fox deal, uh, and we hope that can continue after um, that three years has expired. Um, but if not, then, you know, we think we're attractive to a variety of, of television partners, whether it's Fox, ESPN, NBC, a lot of other platforms that are out there now that could – that could broadcast our games, and, and we think we're going to be attractive to one or two or three of those. Again, this weekend, there is a ton of Creighton athletics going on. Women's soccer taking on Colorado College. That'll be at 4.30 on Friday afternoon. The volleyball team is in action over at Baxter Arena at Omaha University against Florida State. Men's soccer, it's Oktoberfest. Uh, coming up tonight, that's Friday night as we record this, 7.30 at Morrison Stadium against a really good Stanford team. Volleyball continues in action this weekend at Omaha. Women's soccer back at it on Sunday against South Dakota State. Women's golf gets going at the Payne Stewart Invitational. That'll be on September the 12th. And we also mentioned the men's golf team headed to Manhattan, Kansas, and the Wildcats 
Invitational. There's a quick look at your weekend to come in Blue Jay Athletics. Coming up next week, a brand new episode of the 1620 The Jays podcast. Join myself, Josh Peterson, and Connor Happer as we'll bring you some more great interviews with Creighton coaches and student athletes. Again, for my colleagues, Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the 1620 The Jays podcast, a presentation of NRG Media Omaha and Creighton University. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.